addressing it and therein lies the problem of their own so they say things like they're on but they're wrong charlie's they're wrong and hence this song We are going to take you on an epic journey through every movie featuring Charlize Theron. And by we, I mean myself, Regina Connolly, my host, uh, Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hello. And Bob Shields. Hello. So this is our first episode, so I figured we would start off with a couple of housekeeping notes. The first thing is the pronunciation of our subject's name. So this podcast is called Theronathon, but her name is not Charlize Theron. But it does work really well with the word marathon, so we're making it work. Her actual pronunciation of her name, Bob, is the closest at approximating it because he speaks the Queen's English. <laughs> so it technically is pronounced Charlie's throne. That was really good. With a rolling R and everything else squashed into one syllable. Yes. But she goes by Charlie's Theron or Theron. Charlie's Theron. Theron. Yeah, but Theranathon is more confusing than we were willing to budge. So if she's changed pronunciation once, we figured, we hoped, we would not presume to know how she feels, but we hoped that she would be okay with it. Or we can just say that we're only taking up through R. Sure. We've got a lot of reasons, and that is why the show is called what it is called. But why are we doing it? Because Charlize Theron is awesome. She is the best. We've been talking about doing this podcast for a year, and we're finally recording our first episode. Regina is the one who approached me about doing it. So part of the reason I'm doing this is, full disclosure, I am a very big fan of the podcast. Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. And if you have not listened to that, do it. Treat yourself. It is amazing and delightful. And it just was interesting to me, the idea of... Just focusing on one actor's entire career. I feel like I've seen a lot of movies or I've seen actors in many movies, but that I don't have a complete knowledge of just one person's arc. And uh, the idea of sort of watching it without other movies, like in distraction, like just like a focused thing, but just like a real, like a, an immersive experience of just focusing on one person's style and seeing like what that reveals about their acting. Because personally, I find it often difficult to critique film acting in a way that I do not uh, stage acting. And so I am curious what this will be like for me. And the reason Charlize Theron, besides the fact that she's amazing, is I've always liked her in movies. And I think that the time I was like, oh, like this is someone who definitely deserves a lot more attention was when I saw A Young Adult, which I think is a very underrated movie and that she was very, very good in it. I think also she is just the current absolute pinnacle of movie stardom. Um, I can't think of another actress or actor who is more famous and more like has more star power than uh, Charlize Theron or Thong does. So yeah, I think it's, it should be a very interesting look into all of the movies that she's done and how she's progressed over her career. I uh, lived in South Africa for a period of time for about three years. And when I first moved there, the first apartment that I looked at had a gigantic pop art mural of her face in the <laughs> lobby. And Did you bring it home with you? I, well, no. And I didn't move into that apartment because it was too small. But I definitely sort of like struck me then. Like she is their peak 
movie star. Yeah. Um, and then that was 2012. And so it was like, the, you know, obviously Nelson Mandela is like their greatest hero, but they're like stardom heroes. It was like Charlize Theron and Oscar Pistorius. And then Oscar Pistorius murdered his girlfriend. So that'll knock you down a few notches. That's right. They're just left with Even good old Charlize. Yeah. yeah. So um, I also think like the idea of like star power is interesting because like I am not particularly good with pop culture knowing things that go on. Um, and I think a thing that is interesting about her is that she feels to me like in some ways, like a more classic movie star, famous person. Um, not that she never does like goofy or weird roles, but, uh, like I don't, there's just something about her bearing that to me feels different than the way, or the way people talk about her is different than the way they talk about Meryl Streep or, uh, Susan Sarandon or other sort of like major female actresses. She is both considered a great actress and a great movie star, which is pretty rare. Yes. yes. That's going to happen a lot. Uh, we are all friends and some of us are spouses. <laughs> and so sometimes we will speak together. Just, you know, heads up. Um, so that's why we're doing it. And the first movie that we are talking about on the intro, and we're going to keep it short because it is her uncredited appearance as an extra in... Children of the Corn 3, Urban, Urban Harvest. <laughs> the great straight-to-video sequel <laughs> of Children of the Corn and Children of the Corn 2, which presumably had a subtitle that I have not looked up. I'm sure it did. <laughs> so this movie, uh, Charlize Theron is, or Theron is... We're going to have to get on the same page about that. Yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> it's Theron. It's Theron. After 500 episodes, I'm sure I'll pronounce it right eventually. She is on screen for collectively for less than 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an uncredited extra in the background of a cult that is run by the uh, movie's main antagonist, who is the child of the corn, the only child of the corn in the whole movie, in fact. Uh, this movie it has a, a, a misnomer for a title. So yeah, this movie is a, a, a absolutely atrocious Horror movie that of the lowest quality. I, I guess she had to start somewhere. Do we want to do a proper summary of it? Do we even care? I do want to <laughs> fill in because I looked it up that it's Children of the Corn Two: The Final Sacrifice. Well, well not that's that a final. lie. Should have been penultimate sacrifice. Oh well, no, because it turns out that there are nine movies in the original series and three in the reboot series. So. Whew. They were really far away from the final sacrifice. Yeah, they were actually very optimistic about that being the final sacrifice. So I feel like the best thing that I can say about this movie is, given its title, I was going into watching it expecting it to be super uncomfortably racist. Me too. I was like, oh, the urban harvest. Are they going to the inner city now? And they did. Um, they did, but they, I think, managed to not... Uh, be as bad as I thought they were going to be. They had uh, characters of color who were not caricatures, which is much more than I expected from this movie. Also, more importantly, they were not the first one to die, although they did die. Oh, they died a lot. Yeah, definitely. And one of them died with the longest spine removal you may ever see. Yes. If you suffer through this movie, which we are not recommending. I highly recommend you skip this one. Um, also, so when you see Charlize Theron's beautiful face, uh, unfortunately... Wait, note... That when you first see her beautiful face, you will be blinded by how thin her eyebrows are. Well, this was the... It was 1996, I want to say? 95. 95. And she had the full-on overplucked Drew Barrymore situation going. She grew them back in over the years, so good for you. you. Well grown. (laughs) Well grown out of your face. Bob, why don't you give us the broadest of strokes of the plot of this movie? All right, so it begins... 
in a cornfield in Nebraska, which is where I think the original Children of the Corn movies take place. And uh, basically, um, the younger, there's two brothers, older and younger. One of them kills the other one's father with magic by turning him into a scarecrow. Then they are adopted into Chicago. Uh, urban urban Chicago. Urban, that's the harvest, the urban place they're going to harvest. Uh, an unwitting couple adopts them. But he brings a briefcase of magic corn. He does bring a briefcase The child of magic. does not the adoptee. Correct. Yes, he brings a briefcase of magic corn, which can also turn into a briefcase full of cockroaches. Yeah, it's magic and evil. If the wrong person opens it, it looks like cockroaches. When he opens it, it looks like corn. It's super weird. This is um, not very broad strokes. <laughs> so he uh, plants some magic corn. He plants some magic corn in an empty lot by his uh, adopted parents' house, which then turns into an unfathomably large cornfield. Magic in Chicago. In the middle of Chicago, between presumably two houses. Hey guys, it's a city in the Midwest. They're much more spacious than us East Coast folk. That's probably true. It is. Yeah, that's probably true. So yeah, so that happens. Then he discovers that they actually. Uh, went to that family because they thought that family grew corn. He thought that they were already at a corn Has field. he never heard of Chicago? He is, apparently does not understand what Chicago is. It's also, I think, because the guy is a commodities trader. That's right. He oh, sells that's right. corn. He's a trader of oh, corn yeah. on the stock exchange? Or something along those lines? On the commodities market. Whatever yeah. the corn version of the stock exchange is. So he's like going to use his adoptive father to spread his evil corn throughout the world, which technically, I guess by the end, he he's does. successful yes, at doing, does which too. is why there are nine movies about this. Yeah. It's kind of... But uh, he becomes a cult leader. He does now, become a cult leader. Now, we watched this movie a long time ago. Bob rewatched it. He's, that's why Bless he's him. <laughs> le- leading this discussion. But how do we get from Suitcase of Magic Corn, Magical Cornfield, to Cult Leader? So what happens is the older brother starts making friends. Get too school, normal. Getting too normal, not wearing Amish clothes anymore. And at one point he plays basketball and is, of course, oddly talented at basketball. Hmm. With the uh, urban youths that he goes to school with. T-Lock. T-Lock is the school <laughs> badass. Oh, sorry. I just yeah. wanted to mention that there is a character that they took the time to name. T-Lock, L-O-C. No K for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that means that younger brother is then annoyed at older brother for making friends because he's not being Amish enough anymore. And older brother advises him, maybe you should make the friends. And he says be careful, maybe I will, or something along those lines. Sinister! And he takes that to say that I should form a cult. And then he does. He forms a cult. they don't at all show you this forming. It just cuts to a shot of him with a bunch of people around him in, like, goth gear. Including Charlize. Oh, she's there. The only person that you see convert into uh, a cult member is T-Lock. Oh. T-Lock is the one example of a person that you see where he is... Opposed to the cult, and then in the next scene is for the cult. And he gets convinced by a severed homeless person's head that bites him in the middle of a cornfield. The homeless person got eaten by the evil corn because that is a thing that evil corn does. Yeah, but actually he didn't really get eaten by it. He more got uh, kind of skull-fucked by tentacles. Oh, yeah. Which brings us (laughs) to Charlize's fate at the end. Uh, You see her face. Yep. You see a tentacle. You see her... Bread legs? Yeah. And then you assume that tentacle disembodiment have disembodiment. No, you definitely see a tentacle go up her skirt. So just think about how famous she is now. 
and that this is the best way that Hollywood could think to introduce her to all of us. I, frankly, I love this. To me, this is a true underdog story, and I have this problem when I watch, like, Law & Order or any of those crime shows, and they pull out the body, I think about how the body is a struggling actor in New York or L.A., and this is, like, their big break. See, when I watch movies and there's someone, like, an extra or, like, someone who gets, like, one line who's like, here's your paper, I always pessimistically say, that's that's their big moment, thinking that's the only thing that they will ever get. So I guess if you have the, the charisma and, I don't know. My- Some of them will get Oscars. I guess. Okay. This is true. Charlie Theron is proof of that. Yeah, she's proof that you can never start too low. <laughs> oh, it's true. We so also when we were watching this, this happened, and like the first time we saw her face on screen, we all like screamed because we were like, finally, the reason why we're sitting through this horrible movie. Uh, and then when this happened, I think we also had to pause and be like, what, what, what? It's true. <laughs> also, what is amazing is that uh, I think actually is a testament to Charlize's star power is we were all paranoid that we would miss Charlize at the movie. Oh, yeah. would happen, you are right. And we would never notice that she was in it. But Charlize is so like magnetically attractive that even appearing on screen for like a tenth of a second that she does you immediately know that it's her. Like, she's immediately recognizable and, like, you're drawn to her face. I do think that we were primed to look for her in a way that if she were not an Oscar-winning actress now, I don't think as an extra I'd be like, who's that girl? No, I bet all the entire audience, uh, like, in real time, watching Children of the Corn 3 for the first time with no knowledge of Charlize (laughs) Theron was all like, that girl's gonna make it. (laughs) To be fair, I predict that this straight-to-video movie had a very narrow audience for that every single one of them. Every single two of them. To be fair, also, this is also the first uh, screen appearance of Nicholas Brendan, who played Xander on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and we did not see him. No, we learned this from Wikipedia moments ago. Yes. And I, much as I enjoy him, I'm like, I'm not watching this movie a second time. Correct. Correct. his face. Although... I feel like we did notice him. I feel like we did have a moment of being like, that's that dude. This is unimportant. Anyway, uh, so a thing that we would like to do for every movie, because I think it's hard to summarize a movie. You just listen to a struggle through it. There's a lot of things going on, but we think it would be helpful to, (laughs) I don't even know how to say this, but basically summarize your feelings for this movie in a single noise so that you know immediately something about this movie. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty much... You gotta do on two buff shields. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of in the same vein. I'm just like, oh. My noise is gonna be... Uh, so there you have it. That is the summary of this And you movie. guys watched it months ago. I just watched <laughs> it. <laughs> just thinking about it makes me a little bit sad. If I'm not focusing on the positive spin yeah. of... Getting tentacle raped can be the first role of an Oscar-winning actress. Correct. I just am sad that so many people worked on this and so much money was spent on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that we spent two hours of our lives watching it. Yeah. And more talking about it. Hell yeah. Oh, our our other soon-to-be regular feature? Oh yeah, we're going to have some features, guys. (laughs) Get ready! Uh, Soon-to-be regular feature is, what role in this film should be played by Keanu Reeves? This feature posits that every movie should have Keanu Reeves in it, which I think we can all agree is true. Yes, absolutely. So, I don't even think we need to explain this that detailed, because that's not how that phrase works. Please cut it out, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> nope. So, uh, <laughs> what role should Keanu Reeves play in Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest? Bob Shields. Uh, well, I mean, I think the most obvious choice is the older brother, because he's that kind of blank, oblivious, has no idea what's going on. His father gets turned into a scarecrow while he's feet away, and at the end of that event happening, is like, all right, I don't know where he went, let's get out of here. He just has nothing. Like, Keanu Reeves can pull that off very convincingly, and has done to great aplomb. It's true. Um, I also think we should qualify that when we say Keanu Reeves would be casting this that we're allowing for any era Keanu Reeves that would be appropriate. So, you know, older brother, we're not saying, you know, a plus 50-year-old man would play that, but we I can just... I think it should be real-time I agree. Keanu I think it Reeves. should be 95 Keanu Reeves. Yeah. So in 95, he would be like... Oh. Speed? So you mean real-time. Yeah. Okay. Late okay. 20s Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Well, for me, I think that Keanu would be best cast as the role of the person who figures out that the evil younger brother is actually like an immortal always a child evil dude because I think his uh, shock and his need to tell someone would be really entertaining. Also, that character is killed by uh, being lit on fire with the kid's mind. Yep. And although it may happen, I cannot off the top of my head think of a dramatic Keanu Reeves death and I would I would definitely watch that. I can only think of the Matrix Revolutions. That's the only I try not to think about that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with uh, another follower, another cult follower, and another tentacle rape victim because I feel like there should be more horrific objectification and sexual exploitation of men in film. I don't really, but it would be really fun if we could be like, oh, and Keanu's there too. Yeah. Hmm. Also, for those of you who are already like, oh, but uh, they already are in movies together, we will still recast him in those films as well. Oh, yeah. This is a regular event. Yeah. <laughs> who else should he play? Or maybe we'll decide he should play exactly who we played. We cannot That's right. So last but not least, we've decided that it's important for us to rank every single movie that she has been in. And we're going to do this in the order that we see them. So every episode we will tell you the current standing and each of us will have our own list. So I regret to say that currently, for all three of us, Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest is our number one Charlize Theron movie. It's true. For this episode only. So please. Presumably. Yeah. (laughs) And last two days in the valley is even worse. It seems unlikely. I can't believe it. So we are going to talk about two days in the valley in our next episode, but we are not going to be going through her filmography in order. We're going to skip around as our needs fit. So uh, join us next time for a look at her first real role in a movie. And it'll be a little bit more in-depth from us. We won't just gloss right through the film. But you can understand why we did that for this. Guys, spoilers. This movie ends with corn being put on a boot. Very ominously. In conclusion, be careful what children you adopt and check them for corn. There you go. Goodbye. Bye. who grew up speaking Afrikaans just like Charlize Theron, pronounce her name properly for y'all. So you don't have a Scottish simulacrum. Right. Well, welcome by Charlize Theron. Thank you so much for listening. Opening credits by our good friend Alex Reed. And thank you to Andre Ballet. And thank you, Charlize. And now you've heard the Theronathon. Every word of the Theronathon.
city spurred by the 